Hey everybody, my name is Isaac. This is the Colony Drop Podcast, where we talk about everything regarding Gundam, from the models to the shows to anything else that's new and interesting. I'm here with my co-pilot, Brian. Hello everybody. Alright Isaac, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about a very special topic. It's the what if episode. Maybe the first of many what if episodes, Brian. What if such and such happened within the one year war? How would that change the outcome of the war? How would that change the lives of many of our characters? That's today's topic. What if scenarios. I love it. Those are endless. It's kind of like we're writing alternate history in a way. There's a lot of different things that could have gone one way or the other during the one year war. For all listeners, we will be talking about One Year War today, not other series, but not necessarily just the uh, the original show, Mobile Suit Gundam. We'll be talking about um, really any side story or events that were happening during the One Year War. Yeah, so I think we have two topics in mind for today. So what yeah. is the first what-if scenario? Brian, the first what-if scenario is what would have happened if the Gundam Alex, which as our listeners surely remember was the Gundam from uh, 0080 War in the Pocket what would have happened if that successfully reached Amuro Ray intact so let's give a quick rundown on the the Gundam Alex in just in case anyone doesn't remember so the Gundam Alex was a Gundam that began development right basically when the RX-78 that Amuro was piloting was sort of entering the final testing phase and eventually its purpose was to be delivered to Amuro towards the end of the war when his new type abilities were causing him to sort of outstrip the reaction speed of, of the, the RX-78. He was just too quick, that little... <laughs> that, just, that he's faster a speeding bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this image. I think there's a part in like the original series where he's like moving those... I don't, I don't know what you... Those, those, I guess they weren't joysticks. They were like levers yeah. kind of thing where he like moved... Okay back and forth and see him just moving them up and down and getting frustrated that it wasn't moving at his speed it's so um, slow it's, <laughs> it just won't work so anyway this thing was it, it moved faster and it was made for new types uh, but the issue was uh, as we saw in 0080 war in the pocket one member of the cyclops team the one of the main characters bernie wiseman managed to sort of not not destroy the gun of Alex, but disable it yeah. enough that it was too damaged to get to Amro quickly enough, and then about a week later, the war ended. So, put it this way: if you if you're trying to return it to the store, they wouldn't let you. <laughs> Even if you had the yeah. receipt, they're not taking it back. It looks worn. Clearly, something happened. It's, you're not getting your money back. <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> it's missing a head. <laughs> Got chopped up by a, a heat hawk. <laughs> I mean, pretty much that's the only thing wrong with it. I mean, yeah. maybe some other minor damage, but I would say the main thing is they chopped the head off. So If only they treated the Gundam Alex like they did the the 08 Ace Team's Gundams <laughs> where they just have Gundam heads laying around. <laughs> <laughs> they can just slap them on something and send uh-huh. it out into battle. Well, Isaac, how did you approach this what if? Okay. The Gundam Alex, for our listeners, it's almost an improvement on every level of the original Gundam. On top of that, it has magnetic joints, if I'm correct, Brian. Its yeah, like a magnetic, coated, yeah. yeah, or something like that, and a magnetic alloy, and that, if I'm understanding right, reduced friction, so it really would have a much faster reaction time. On top of that, it also had the uh, the Chobam armor, that great blocky-looking armor that was more or less disposable, but you know, it'll definitely save the Gundam's life and integrity if it got blasted for a while. Based mm-hmm. on that information I just ranted, I would say that. 
if Amuro Ray was piloting that in a Bawaku, it would have meant that the Zeon would not have stood a chance. It was already close when the Zeon was fighting the regular Gundam, but with the Gundam Alex, I think Shara would have been killed in that in combat, in that final battle. What do you think, Brian? I tend to agree. I don't know if he would have been killed, but he certainly probably would have lost much earlier. And so I think that creates a variety of scenarios, not only in a Baku, <laughs> but before that. So one thing when I was trying to figure out what the impact of this would be, I had to look up like the actual timeline of the one-year right. war. And I had forgotten how compressed it was. Basically, the start of the original Mobile Suit Gundam series, I think, is in September of 0079. And the um, war ends basically in December uh, 30, yeah. like 31st or January 1st, whatever you want to call it. So really, what you're seeing takes place over about four months total. Right. And yeah. so that's not a lot of time. So then I've started thinking, like, was it even feasible to deliver the Alex to Amaro? Like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Because it's so compressed, right? Like, it, if the war ends in four months and the first Gundam rolled out in September, it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to get another one up and running. But Okay. Um, All right. Look, yeah. I have a question. I have a question, Ryan. Yeah. All right. Looking at your little timeline, what... God, I guess this is hard to know. Okay. Let's say the Cyclops team wasn't at Raya or they were defeated or something and the Alex was okay. Pretty much what you've just said, is there time to meet up with the white base or is it at that point in time the white base is already at a Balaku or Solomon? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how long it would take to get from side six to either Solomon or a Balaku. I mean, I think either Solomon or about or Balaku is really where you're trying to get the Alex at that point. Um, yeah. Because so, so this is the timeline. So the RX-78, which Amuro is piloting, that was in the final testing phase in August. And then I think it was picked up by the White Base in September. Also in August, though, that's when development of the Alex began. Now, back then, I don't know they really knew too much about new types. Um, so I don't know if it was specifically for new types at that point. So the Alex goes into production after getting combat data from the Gundam, right? Amuro Ray's pilot data was used in his development, yeah. At what point? I'm not oh, sure. Okay. I mean, it would have to be at least a few months into using the Gundam, I would imagine, for it to be useful, right? I see. So even if the Federation wasn't too on the up and up about new types to the level Xeon was, then they're probably going off data that shows that the, the Gundam is reacting too slow, and that's why they need magnetic uh, joints so right. they can just move lightning fast. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So then on December 9th, the Cyclops team arrives at the Arctic base in Canada where they are trying to ship the Alex out to Site 6. The Alex arrives in Site 6 at the LIBO. I guess, do they pronounce it LIBOT or LIBO? I always assumed it was LIBO. I thought it was LIBOT. LIBOT, okay. I did not put the French pronunciation. LIBO. Monsieur Brian. I don't remember what they said. Le Gundam. Le Gundam. Le Zion, attacking the colony. He paints a little, give it a little mustache. Le Would you like a croissant with your beam saber? I apologize to our Francophile listeners. Maybe if it was a French developing Gundam. No, I won't go down that path. But uh, <laughs> oh, our friends at uh, Mobile Fighter G. <laughs> I was gonna say like it it would refuse to work after 5 p.m. or something. It would like go home early. <laughs> Every once in a while, it like overthrows its government. 
<laughs> we love you, France. We're streaming from America, and we we couldn't have built this country without you. So, I'd like to thank France and all the Francophiles <laughs> for your ancestors' assistance. <laughs> Vive la France! Vive la so once again, the Alex leaves Canada on December 9th. It arrives inside six at the Leibot colony on December 12th. So four days to get from Canada to side six. On December 19th is when the Cyclops team tries to destroy the Alex with the, with the Kempfer. Right. And so I think it's important to note at this point, I think that's the first time that the Alex is like activated. Um, so on December 19th, the Alex is, we know for sure, functional. Like because it, it got up. You know, Christina used the Gatling guns. She engaged the Kempfer. Everything mm. went fine. No problems. Boy, they lucked out because they, they didn't have a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, she, she didn't jet out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I don't know, like a, a celebrity or something. Like, the bodyguards got killed, so the celebrity has to, like, pick up the gun <laughs> and start fighting. <laughs> yeah. like, what could go wrong? We've got, like, a gyms and we've got a Pegasus class nearby. Nothing can get to the Gundam. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they literally had the best GMs of the war. Yeah, and... Just- Got Kill shot out of the sky man. By, by a drunk Russian. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Good old Kale. So that's December 19th. So uh, Universal Century fans will know that the Battle of Solomon takes place on Christmas Eve, December 24th. So that means if you want Amuro to have the Alex for Solomon, you need to get it to him within five days from side six. I think that's so, doable in the Earth sphere. I'm going to take a gamble. And say it's doable. Although, any technical fans, please comment as far as the speed of a Solomus or a Magellan, and then the distance between certain Lagrange points in the Earth sphere. <laughs> right. We'll um, look that up later for our our technical episode. <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I think it's definitely doable to get it there in five days. The only issue is it's probably doable if you take a straight course, but who knows what's in your way at that point. Like, yeah. is that oh, through Zeon territory? Yeah. Is it through Federation territory? No idea. Do you have to go the long way around? I'm not really sure. I guess we would need some maps or something to figure that out. But that's really when you'd have to take it because the Alex is damaged in combat on Christmas. And the, so the Battle of Solomon happened the day before. So who, who even knows if news of the Battle of Solomon even reached the, the Libot colony that day? They, they could have still even been fighting. You know. Let me ask you this, Brian. Okay, you're Xeon. You just found out the Cyclops team failed, and the Gundam Alex may be lightly damaged, but it's still operational, and it will be en route to the Gundam's current pilot. What What do you do? Do you scramble like a, a bunch of moose eyes with nukes, and you just violate the Outer Space Treaty? And oh, well, that's that's what they well, planned to do in the last know, episode but, of Double but that, I know, but that failed. So yeah. do, you, do you try again and try to like, intercept it on the way to Solomon, uh... where the the fleet will be or do you do you kind of cut your losses and say you know what <laughs> that <laughs> that Gundam's going to get to that pilot there's nothing we can do about yeah. it we, just, we rolled our dice it's certainly an interesting question I think given if, if the war had not ended we, we probably would have found an answer to that right yeah the war ended five days later six whatever six days later so I think that means the first pivotal like what if point then is let's assume that the Alex was delivered to Amuro within the five days between the attempted destruction of the Alex by the Cyclops team on December 19th and the Battle of Solomon on December 24th. So in the Battle of Solomon, Zeon loses pretty handily due to 
basically just a swarm of gyms and the use of the solar system. So yeah. the Alex arriving there is not going to change the outcome. Um, it certainly seems like a win more scenario, right? Yeah. So I, I would say it won't change the Battle of Solomon. The Federation is still going to win. I guess the one key death that could be avoided is at the Battle of Solomon, uh, if we're assuming we're talking about the white base crew, Slager Law, he died uh, in battle against the Big Zom. He had Amro dock with his G-Fighter, and they got in close so Amro could fire at the Big Zom because the Big Zom had a eye field which deflected uh, you know, beam weaponry at a certain distance. So I, that would be the only thing I see changing there. Potentially, if Amro had the Alex, maybe he could not necessarily have to do that dangerous maneuver with Slager. But, I mean, Slager was kind of a hotshot pilot. He may have suggested the same maneuver anyway and maybe died in a similar fashion. So I don't think anything really changes for Battle of Solomon. But like you said, I think the main changes come after that, either on December 30th or, or the 31st. So the 30th is when Amro accidentally kills Lala fighting Shar. Ah, I forgot about her. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I'm not a, a, I'm not a Shar supporter. <laughs> her death I, was... <laughs> perhaps more meaningless than many other pilots in our, in our illustrious history at side three. Isaac is a, is a zombie supporter through and through. Yeah. Victory for Degwin. <laughs> By the way, did you know that uh, Degwin's flagship was named the great Degwin? Yeah. And that is the <laughs> pinnacle of arrogance. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I read that night. I, I, don't, I, I don't know I why I hadn't internalized that before, but that was amazing when I read that today. I can't, I can't think of anything in history that compares to that. <laughs> right. It'd be like you Donald Trump naming a aircraft carrier that he rides on, the, the great Donald. The great Trump. The yeah. big Trump. Yeah, the big Trump. <laughs> and you know what? That seems like something he would do. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like right before he leaves office or something, like it's a gold <laughs> aircraft carrier. <laughs> It's the fanciest, yeah. most luxurious carrier in the fleet. It's going to be huge. <laughs> During that fight, I guess you could assume that maybe if, if Amuro has the Alex, uh, he could have maybe killed Char or defeated Char faster, which would maybe have allowed Lala to survive. Because during that battle, Amuro already had Char's Gelgoog kind of on the ropes. Um, this was like a very sort of chaotic battle between Amuro. It was like Amuro and Sela versus Lala and Char. And so if Lala survived, I don't really know what would happen. I mean, she was still... It wasn't like she stopped fighting or anything. I mean, she was fighting on Char's side as sort of like out of appreciation for him sort of saving her life, I think. And so even if Amro had killed Char, I don't know if that she would have reacted positively, right? She could have just stopped fighting, but there's also a possibility that she would have been upset and maybe lashed out and maybe Amro still would have had to fight her. But it does seem like there'd be a, a good chance of Amro taking out Char faster, which resulted in maybe Lala surviving. What happens after that, I'm not really sure. I don't know that Lala would have continued working with Zeon. I don't know that she really would have joined the Federation, per se, either, though. I, I don't know. What do you think? On the first point, I'm going to go a step further and say Char dies in this timeline. Because he came, even in the, even in the Zeon, he came so close to dying already against the, the Gundam. So in a Gundam, Alex, Amro would win. He just would outpace him, outmaneuver him, outfight him, and kill him. As for Lala, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a situation 
where there's going to be like a mobile armor defecting to the Federation and not getting shot in the chaos of Solomon <laughs> and the chaos of a Bawaku. Yeah. The GMs are going to, they're going to light that thing up the moment they see it heading <laughs> towards the fleet. Even if a yeah. Gundam's next to it, I don't think they're going to care. <laughs> oh God, it's a mobile armor. Quick, open fire. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's probably fair. I, I don't know that she would defect, but even if she did, would she really be fighting with that much conviction? Um, but you're right, though. If she did defect, you know, yeah. the Federation would gain what I think it would be its first mobile armor. I'm, I'm not aware. I can't think of anyone offhand that, that they had developed. No, but I'd imagine the Federation would have a low opinion of mobile armors anyway, since they put everything into Gundams. And by then, they just have the combat data that shows that Gundams slap around mobile armors whenever <laughs> they want. <laughs> so Might be a little skewed, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lala just would want a hug in the timeline, I think, if she survived. Yeah, she'd want to get on the white base, and then hopefully Amaro comes back and gives her a hug, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So, but yeah. like you said, I think the real inflection point uh, is at a Bawaku. At the Battle of Bawaku, Amaro duels with Shar, this time in the Zeong. And, you know, like you said, Amaro, he already had the upper hand. But I don't know that, well, the, the main thing that happened in a Bawaku that could be changed is Shar killed Kaecilia after the Zeong was destroyed. Like, he got out. Yeah. Yeah, he made his way through the base. He talked to Amaro. He you know, had a big argument with Amaro and Sela, and they you know, yelled at each other. And then he <laughs> yeah. went on. He said, I'm not going to let the zombies get away. And he, he went and killed Kaecilia. So if Amaro had the Alex, and he was able to maybe kill Shar faster, or at a different spot, perhaps you know, before they had landed on a Baoku, that means that Shar wouldn't have been able to kill Kaecilia. Yeah, that's actually one of my little what-if possible scenarios I wrote down. What if Shar died on his way to trying to kill Kaecilia? Because if you recall from the episode, you know, when Shar's in the base and he, like, picks up a gun or whatever and he, he he's finally heading towards, like, the hangar bay where is leaving in a Zanzibar, like, the base is pretty much blowing up around him. We, one of those exploding walls could have easily have taken him out right. and um, he never would have got to the hangar bay. So wh- what happens in the timeline where the Alex... Ki- got, Amaro in the Gundam Alex kills Shar, and then Kaecilia gets away to the moon. She makes it to Luna. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's almost yeah. entirely that's a, that's a whole nother what if scenario. <laughs> but I agree that this this scenario of Amro getting the Alex makes that scenario yeah. much more likely because the whole mess. yeah because the whole reason that she was escaping, I think she said something like you know as long as I survive, then Zeon survives. So if she survives. Then the the Zabi version of Zeon lives on in a much more direct fashion, right? I mean, I know we have Maneva and all that yeah. stuff, but Maneva doesn't exactly have the conviction. Uh, <laughs> I would, or I'll call it conviction that Kaecilia does. That would have rewritten the next at least seven years. Possibly, possibly not. I'll I'll challenge you on that, and here's why. Let's say this timeline's happening, right? And we're at a Bawaku. Maneva is not even there. She's probably going to be like, what, 18 months or something at side three? Probably I think less not. than that. I think she's born yeah. during the war. So she's less than a year old at this point. Oh, okay. So she's, you know, not even a toddler yet. She's either at side three or, for all we know, Dozel gave her instructions that don't even stay at side three. You get to access. So she's out of the picture. Kaecilia on Luna, I think that would actually lead to a Xeon split. Because if you remember, side three pretty much declares itself a republic, I think, 
hours or the day, the same day of a bow coup after Xenon's defeated, mm. or I think maybe the day after, and then they immediately, you know, sue for peace with the Federation. Cassilia on, on Luna would be so isolated. What can Xeon have still on Luna? Sure, they might have, you know, some units and mobile suits presumably loyal to Kaecilia because she was the, the head honcho of the moon. That was yeah. her base. There's no way either the people of Luna would probably actively rise up as soon as they know that the war's pretty much over. And besides, the Federation, after about a coup, they're in visible distance of Site 3. So, I mean, if she's lucky, she'll be a prisoner of war and she could possibly get killed or presumably executed for crimes against humanity. I think that's more likely. Yeah, I mean, I guess we, you'd have to consider how someone like Delaz would, would, oh, he, would align he booked, with Cassilia. No, 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 not at all. Remember, he booked it the moment he found out Giran died. He took his whole fleet away yeah, from the that's battle, true. which made things worse for Zeon. Yeah. In summary, the major change I think the Gundam Alex causes is the death of Shar, in my opinion. Maybe it still would have been a close fight and Shar lives. Maybe not. I'm going to say Shar doesn't live. But other than that, I still see the one-year war ending with the uh, the defeat of Zeon and definitely the loss of power of the uh, the zombies. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't change the, the outcome of the war, but I think it, it makes the defeat of Shar earlier in some form or fashion more likely, which indirectly leads to Cassilia not dying. Or at least not dying the way that she did, yeah. die, which was a rocket to the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. If her head doesn't get cut <laughs> off there, it'll maybe get cut off at Jabrow after a, uh, tr- a tribunal. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'll call out that would have been different is maybe a more indirect outcome of this. Tell me what happens here, Isaac. If you're the white base and they come and they tell you, here's a, another Gundam, what do you still have? What do you mean, what do you still have? Well, you, you still have the old Gundam. Yeah, that's true. So who true. pilots the old Gundam? That's a great uh, question. <laughs> I think you give it to Sayla. Would she take it? Well, your other choice is Kai, and I don't see Kai piloting a Gundam. I can see him doing that, but I, hang on. Oh, man. Okay, I just had a vision in my head. You imagine both Gundams, the Gundam Alex and the um, the old one. <laughs> <laughs> the old one. I don't know. What, what would they refer to it? They'd call, that one, they'd call one the Alex, and they'd call the other one the... Yeah, I mean, they'd have to come up with a different name. The original. The OG. Okay. So they're both on the (laughs) The, battlefield. The old stinky one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine, like, the situation where Char goes into combat, sees the original Gundam, and Sayla not being a pilot like Amuro on his level, Char kills Sayla. Oh, interesting. Oh, my God. Char would... He might kill himself. Yeah. The thing just resolves itself. See? Yeah. Man, nobody wins there. Amro would be like destroyed himself. He'd be no, he would. He would have been so would. crushed. Yeah, he'd blame himself. <laughs> oh god. Everybody would lose in that situation even more. <laughs> oh my god. But then that got me thinking, oh. like, okay, theory, let's see. If you assume that the original Gundam would have gone to Sayla, which I think probably makes sense. Yeah. We had been talking a lot about Sayla in terms of what her role hypothetically would be in the Gundam live action movie that brought up an interesting thought in my head of like you know again assuming one year war time frame and assuming same basic character structures we I think we both agree both Sela and Amuro probably in there somehow yeah hopefully we, are we gonna have more than one Gundam in this movie or just one I feel like we should have just one I would understand if we have more than one because as the model kits have shown uh, you sell more yeah. toys 
when there's lots of different kinds of, of Gundams. But I feel like that'd be a mistake on our first movie out. It'd be nice to focus on one Gundam and the, the awe and power that one Gundam can do compared to other mobile suits. But I'd be happy and intrigued if at the end of the credits there's a stinger where they show other Gundams. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. It's probably smarter to focus on one. But yeah. I'm just imagining this. Maybe you don't have two until the very end. And, oh. and this this sort of scenario actually plays out. Because it could be one of those real female empowerment moments where, you know, Sayla gets a Gundam. <laughs> and, you know, she shows up. So, I don't know. Something, something to think about. But um, Maybe. Or for all we know, there's still going to be one Gundam. But maybe the, the male lead, if it's Amuro, will be incapacitated or something. And, you know, they'll show that... Uh, a female pilot is just as capable as a male pilot and you know they the whole team works together and sacrifices for each other and as long as the Gundam's on the battlefield Zeon's gonna you know wet its pants going into combat <laughs> it's gonna lose yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's I think that's our opinion I think uh, Shard dies Cassilia lives okay so what is our second topic today Isaac we're also gonna talk about how Zeon could have achieved victory Maybe, well, I'm not sure. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Brian, do you have any thoughts on how Zeon could have achieved victory much more earlier on in the war? Yeah, so or, I have. Okay, I came up ahead. with three ideas of how they could have won the war. And you can tell me how realistic they are since, you know, you're the Zeon expert here. Do it. Number one, kill Amuro Ray. <laughs> so he, he was directly... <laughs> Or indirectly responsible for the deaths of Rama Rao, the Black Tristars, Makuve, Shalia Bull, Lala, Dozel, and Kaiselia. Oh my god. Amuro Ray is the John Wick of, of the <laughs> one year war. <laughs> he took down 142 mobile suits and nine capital ships. He's the second highest. He's the the Federation's second? second. Yeah, there's another guy named Tenneth Jung who had, I think, 149 mobile suits and only three ships, but he had slightly more mobile suit kills than Amuro did. God, there should be a, something above Ace, because I think, I'm not sure, oh, I'm about to get angry comments from uh, members of the military in the comment section. <laughs> if I'm correct, if you shoot down six enemies, you're considered an Ace, I believe. I'm not sure if that's European Air Forces or the United States Air Force. Um, that but, sounds oh right. I know, yeah. it's a low, I know it's a low number relative to this number that we're quoting here. <laughs> We're like like angry, substantially yeah. lower. We're gonna get angry comments from like Gulf War veterans Probably, and uh, yeah, yeah we, we Bosnian, Bosnian War veterans like low number. <laughs> we're not trying to low. get the number exactly right. We just want to show that it's relatively low compared to what yeah. transpired in this, <laughs> albeit fictional war. So what you're saying, Brian, is mobile six pilots are better than than <laughs> than our patriotic pilots? Is that what you're saying? Our Air Force pilots? <laughs> Apparently, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Killing Amuro Ray would have massively changed the outcome. Would it have? I'm not sure that you can point to one thing and say this would have won them the war, but it certainly would have helped if Amuro Ray was not around, right? Because if you think about it, any of those people, like Rambo Rao, you lost a great tactician and a, an ace pilot there. The Black Tristars, you lost three excellent ace pilots. Makube, again, ace pilot. Shalia Bull, that guy had a new type mobile armor. He could have done serious damage at either Solomon or Bauk. I don't remember if it happened after Solomon or, bef- or before. I think it was after Solomon. It's after Solomon. So at a, at a coup, he could have just yeah. run through the the gyms with no real opposition. 
he took out Dozel at uh, Solomon. Dozel was just mowing people down. He he had no real competition. <laughs> if pretty he doesn't much. die, Dozel just takes on everyone by himself, pretty much. I mean, he just uses that big like beam cannon in the middle of the big zone to just kind of. Yeah. Oh, here comes some gyms. Let me just shoot them down. I mean, I mean, really, what what are the gyms going to do against the big zom? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate slash uh, federation advocate here. <laughs> I'm going to actually say that the death of Amuro Ray, for all we know, let's say he gets killed in you know the first episode or something, right? Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't even reach the Gundam or something. Maybe they get it out, but he's left behind on the colony or he's killed somehow in the chaos. Right. <sighs> I'm going to say that. The war is extended, but it would still end the same way, just based on economies of scale, really. The Federation will just, in the end, ultimately outman and outproduce Xeon in mobile suits, and maybe it turns into the two-year war, uh, but ultimately the Federation's victorious, I think. That's probably yeah. fair. I, I, yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting, because if Amra Ray dies, then maybe... Whoever pilots the Gundam either doesn't do as well, or maybe because Amuro Ray dies a little bit earlier, maybe the the Federation doesn't begin mass production of gyms with you know such a vigor or anticipation. Because right, like they're they're mass producing these things because they're saying they're they're saying, oh look, Amuro's kicking the crap out of these guys. Let's make you know scaled down versions of what he's doing and and just launch them everywhere. So maybe if the Gundam doesn't do that well, maybe they don't launch the gym fast enough. And, and like you said, maybe the the one-year war becomes two years, five years. Who who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, depending on it, whether it's Amuro dying and the Gundam being given another pilot and still going on to victory and outperforming Xeon generally, or if it's the Gundam being destroyed, we might see the Federation you know, doubling down on, say, maybe they focus on creating a lot more solar systems. Maybe they can build something completely different than a Gundam to try to fight Xeon. Hard to say, really, but I would ultimately feel like the loss of that prototype, knowing that they had, you know, production also going on. I mean, well, not necessarily the loss of that prototype, but the death of Amuro wouldn't have been as monumental of a change as most people would think, really. There's other Gundams in production, like we saw the 08th MS team. There was a lot of gym cannons that could, you know, maybe not do as well as the Gundams, but they would definitely still be able to uh, cause Xeon some problems. I think the Federation ultimately wins, even if it's a bit more difficult. Okay, my second idea is to strike faster. This, I think, is really the only thing that would allow them to win the war. Hmm. So Xeon had one main advantage, and that was mobile suits. But as time went on, they lost that advantage. And mm. when you when you don't have the people advantage and you lose the only advantage you have, you're right. Eventually, you're just going to lose. So Xeon had the, the edge in combat by far until the gym came out, right? Now, I'm not counting the Gundam because, again, like you said, Amuro's only one guy. He can't be everywhere at once. So if that's how you're going to win the war, then you need to go win the war while you have that advantage. So I don't know if that means they needed to take out federate like key federation targets faster or maybe all at once or with all within a short amount of time but they sort of had their window of opportunity and they lost it like they let it go. Once the GM came out that was kind of it. They maybe they should have struck the manufacturing facilities for the GMs or or something. <laughs> but during a Baku, I think Cassili even asks, "Oh, why are the Gelgoogs doing so poorly?" 
And I think someone <laughs> tells her like, oh, because they're all being piloted by students. Because at that point, the you know the Zeon's out of they're out of people they're they're out of yeah. they're out of pilots they're all dead. What so, a terrible question! <laughs> like during an epic battle, possibly the most important battle. <laughs> might be a little late to be asking that question. She must. Have, I'm sure in her mind, she immediately realized the implications of asking that question. <laughs> so yeah, I think if they were going to win, they would have needed to play to their strengths, and that means using the mobile suit advantage while they had it. They had it. They didn't use it, therefore they lose. What do you think about that? I agree, but I feel like Zeon's whole goal was try to end things quicker and do the first strike, but it's just that they ran a mad of manpower early on, really. That's why Revel was able to give his Zeon his exhausted speech almost right before the series begins. And, yeah, I feel like Zeon maybe lost the ability to strike faster. I mean, they were relying on the Cyclops team, really, to do what seemingly could have also been done by a whole fleet seizing side six. But by that point, they didn't have a whole fleet that could be spared to seize side six. They didn't have a ton of mobile suits that could have been spared to go and uh, you know, secure that whole side for Xeon, uh, even though Raya was neutral. I mean, the end goal, anyway, was ruling the whole Earth sphere. So I feel like... Maybe they could have been more surgical with their power, but they lost so many units at Battle of Loam. I think Xeon was more exhausted earlier on than than it would seem. Okay, so then that brings me to number three. Perhaps you, you do number three simultaneously with number two. So will this win the war if you both do number two, which was strike faster, and number three, break the Antarctic Treaty? Ooh, oh, break the Antarctic Treaty. So, and keep in mind, Zeon was already prepared to do this because they were about to nuke the Lybot colony at side six to get rid of the Alex. That's so after true. So after the Cyclops team failed, what'd they say? They said, okay, well, we can't have that thing getting out. Go nuke it. Now, again, I guess technically side six was neutral. Uh, does that count breaking the Antarctic Treaty? I'm not sure because you're, you're not nuking the, the opposition. But it, I think the Antarctic <laughs> Treaty did say you must respect new, neutral colonies. So yeah. let's assume that that breaks the Antarctic Treaty. I would assume it definitely broke the spirit of the treaty. Yeah, sure, certainly. I don't. I think maybe, maybe not. Maybe, legally, yeah. <laughs> legally well, no, but cert, you're, you're right. Certainly the spirit of it is is just shattered. Yeah. I don't think uh, Raya sent a representative <laughs> to Antarctica. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think they were invited, yeah. but I'm sure it would be considered breaking the treaty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure there's a Xeon strategist somewhere and he's got a graph and he's seeing how quickly his pilots are dying. And yeah. if they find out, okay, this Gundam thing is, is really working out for the Federation, they're going to start making more of these. Don't you then say, you know what, we're going to lose if we don't make one big push to just nuke or use biological chemical weapons on every important Federation side at the same time and maybe drop a colony at the same time. And that way Federation can't answer on all fronts and just do more damage. Yeah. I have two pieces of information that address this. Well, technically three, but two. Okay. Number one, if you recall in Odessa, Makuve, he fires a nuke to try to buy time. But the Gundam destroys it. <laughs> it destroys it in like midair. So it fired, they fired a nuclear missile. I think he told Revel that we're going to, you know, you better stop this attack or we'll break the Antarctic Treaty or whatever. I think Revel famously didn't reply and just like motion to continue the attack. 
So Makuli fired one nuke, but the Gundam swats it out of the air. You know, that, beam, that, beam, yeah. That darn Amuro Ray again. Yeah, in, gun, in pure Gundam fashion, it one-shots that nuke, and it, <laughs> it, it explodes in a non-nuclear-controlled way. I also remember reading that Girin going over Kaecilia's head, <laughs> gave strict order to Mikuve that in the event of a Xeon retreat from, uh, I think, Earth or at least North America, the ICBMs on Earth were to be used against all major cities. But, oh. um, yeah, but Mikuve, being such an appreciator of uh, art and uh, culture, determined that that would be um, an atrocity on its own. And I think he yeah. also wanted to, uh, you know, him and Kaecilia seem to appreciate art. So I think... That would have been frowned upon by her if he went through with that. So there were a few chances where nukes could have gone off on Earth, and that might have changed things a lot. Getting to my third point, Xenon was clearly willing to empty out a colony to build a solar ray. So they were willing to give up a colony to make a super weapon. Clearly chose a solar ray over dropping that colony. I think the colony was called Mahal. Man, could they have... Okay, it's about a coup. They just emptied out a colony. If they drop it from there, would that have won the war if it gets to Earth? Or I don't know. Point, I mean, yeah. maybe maybe the reason that they chose the colony laser is because you could reuse that. You could hit multiple targets with it, right? Assuming you could reuse it. That's true. Now, I, I know Garen burnt it out and everything, but God. If, you didn't, if, you, <laughs> if you didn't burn it out, you could continually shoot it, right? It's true. He probably would have toasted the fleet there heading towards the Baoku, right? Right. Maybe toasted Solomon because they just lost it, and then I'm not sure the range on on that. Brian, you're a bit more skilled in a <laughs> astronomical science than I am. <laughs> Is it feasible that from from be, from the distance behind the moon, you could have <laughs> fired a beam of such energy at Earth that it could destroy military targets? That's or is that not really that, feasible? I, the Earth is yeah. That would require a lot of calculations that I am not prepared to make. <laughs> Brian, we count on you for for this level of strategic detail. I, I will have to spend hours on uh, MAHQ to figure this out, but uh, I would guess that, that probably not. It's probably not feasible. Uh, if you're a military scientist, please comment below. Add to the comments if you feel like a, uh, a solar weapon behind the moon would be able to damage targets on Earth. I'm going to go with that it's too far, and probably. the atmosphere does a, a such a good job of keeping our planet safe from radiation. There's just no way that any anything harmful would have reached the earth you know maybe they'll see a bright flash and anybody outside will get a little bit tanner but <laughs> I, I don't think cities will be wiped off the map the tanning but, um, ring. yeah <laughs> so that, what about that though so could zeon have could, won could, breaking the treaty yeah I, you know i i went and reread what the antarctic treaty banned and mm-hmm. super weapons are not on there but th- those certainly Talk about breaking the spirit of the Antarctic Treaty. <laughs> you, just because you, you repackage a nuke some other way, you, you know, I, I still think that both sides have broken the treaty at this point. You know, the Federation with both? the solar system and the and and Xeon with the with the colony laser. Well, I'd I'd say that those weapons were both created specifically because of the treaty. They really sidestep it. You know, it's it's like nowadays with like our outer space treaty, right? That you yep. can't have chemical or nuclear or biological weapons in space, right? Yep. But <laughs> but the tree doesn't say anything about what are they called? Uh, kinetic weapons? Oh, yeah, the you, rods from yeah, God. Yeah, you, Project Thor or whatever, where you just drop like a rod of tungsten 
from a satellite and then like it falls to earth with such speed that it, it's just devastating um, yep. you know hey technically it's not a nuclear weapon it's not a you know anything like that imagine so you were like, that lawyer you know, <laughs> imagine you were that lawyer you were like you know what guys you know what this doesn't say <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say we can't drop heavy objects <laughs> ah well <laughs> you're promoting There's no heavy object ban yeah. yeah. So I'd say that depending on what happens, a two-part answer, sorry. Later in the war, breaking the NRA treaty changes almost nothing. Even if that colony that they turned into the uh, the solar ray, you know, they strapped some boosters to it and they were going to throw it at Earth, drop it on Earth, colony drop, hashtag colony drop. <laughs> if they were going to drop it on Earth, the whole Federation fleet is right there anyways. So they're going to blow that thing away and deploy their solar ray early to fight it so whatever lands on earth would be minimal compared to operation british but but if if you know at when rebels giving a speech that zeon is exhausted or whatever you know maybe zeon sends a fleet over to raya or whatever and they decide to drop one of those neutral colonies on earth <laughs> i think at well, that point well, why use one of yours yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, there's no need for us to evacuate our own people. It's just <laughs> these people want to be neutral. They don't want to be loyal to Zeon. Well, they're going to enjoy the ride down. <laughs> so I, I feel like if you break the treaty early when you still have the momentum, going back to your whole momentum strike fast question, what if scenario, Brian? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it to Zeon. Zeon could have done it if they just decided that we'll take our chances and just go for using super weapons or uh, not super weapons, but breaking the treaty. Yeah. And I don't think I, I agree. I don't think you can do this in December. I think you no. got to do this in October, November at the latest. You have to read that writing on the wall, project your attrition out and project the, the rise of the Federation's mobile suit program. And if you do both of those things, which maybe someone over there wasn't doing, you should come to that conclusion very quickly that, Unless we act in a very extreme fashion, we are going to lose. Yeah, and lose uh, quite fantastically. You know, Operation British supposedly took like almost the whole Xeon fleet, if not the whole fleet. But the Laws is able to pull it off. Granted, he had like maybe inside Federation help or at least the uninvolvement of some of the Federation. And he had help from Anaheim Electronics. But he was able to pull it off with just a few ships. And a very big nuke. Yeah. I wonder how much of that was the Federation letting it happen so that the conspirators could create the Titans. And how much of that was... No, Delaz really... He, he was smart enough to pull it off with half-staffed. Speaking of uh, all this nuke talk, I think Giran, by firing the colony laser early, I think he wiped out like a third of the uh, Federation fleet, if I recall. Something like that, yeah. Whereas the laws, I believe he wiped out two thirds of the participating fleet in the naval review in double eighty three. Federation is bad at losing a lot of stuff at once. <laughs> <laughs> it seems they have a problem like grouping up. <laughs> like don't don't do that. <laughs> I know I'm pro Zeon, but let me defend the Federation for a second, okay? <laughs> The Federation didn't know about the solar ray, okay? Maybe they knew it was a weapon or they were it was under construction, some type of weapon. But, you know, Revel clearly would not have been where he was if he knew that the solar ray was going to fire. <laughs> Actually, That's no. True. That's true. Actually, I'll, I'll say this. For all we know, Revel was assuming that the Xeon wouldn't dare fire on Degwin, meeting him at this one location with their fleets. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, they were, they were going to negotiate peace, right? So Yeah, so even if they knew about the solar array, they, he, he assumed that, you know, his fleet was relatively safe. They were having a, a peace negotiation, and boy, was he wrong. Well, <laughs> you can't plan for that patricidal rogue son, I suppose. And, um, oh, about the, uh, yeah, the naval review. Gato was really good at sneaking into that naval review. <laughs> Do you think that was the bulk of the Federation fleet? In double eighty three, I mean, I did, I'm pretty sure they made you know some comments like you know everybody's here or whatever. Either way, sizable yeah. portion. I'll say it was most of the ships, if not all the ships, but definitely yeah. most of the ships. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, God, that was terrible. <laughs> what a yeah. egg on your face moment for sure. Well, I mean, these Titan conspirators—they really <laughs> made sure the Federation looked like it was going to be desperate without their strong, iron-fisted rule. So those were my three ideas of how to potentially, you know, win the war. I thought of two other things that I think are maybe common answers or common thoughts about this. And I don't think they really change anything. One thing some people might think is like, does killing Shar win the war, right? Because he's sort of like this rogue agent the whole time, you know, secretly plotting against the zombies. Say they sniffed out his plan earlier and killed him. But I don't think that would actually win them the war. If anything, that would hurt them. I mean, really, all Shar did was he kept Amaro at bay for the whole series. If Shar's not there, um, or if he dies earlier, Amaro's going to have a lot less competition, and he's going to do more damage. You know, Shar killed Garma, but that wasn't really a big loss. He didn't c- kill Kaecilia until about coup, and the war was already lost at that point. And so, I mean, I guess you could make the argument if Shar wasn't around, then maybe Amaro's skills don't mature at quite a quite a fast pace. Hmm. Um, so maybe it's a moot point. But Amaro and Shar kind of stalemated each other, I think, for the most part throughout the series. I mean, they kind of kept each other in check. You know, if Shar wasn't there, I guess Amaro could maybe attack the zombies more directly. But same thing goes with for Shar. If Amaro's not there, you know, Shar would be left unchecked and he could do more damage to the Federation. I'm inclined to agree. Shar made Amro a better person without killing him. If Shar dies during the One Year War, maybe even early on, does Amro necessarily become a weaker person? He probably doesn't become as strong of a person. Hmm. I think he'd be comparable enough that that he would ultimately. Well, okay. Shar was kind of the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. Um, he was. And yeah. he, you know, he introduced Amro to Lala, which was uh, pretty key in sort of accelerating or awakening his, his new type um, abilities. So yeah. maybe he's not quite as good, but you're right. He's, he's still going to be a good pilot. I mean, what, he what got course? into Gundam right away and, you know, took out Azaku. So that's better than most of the gym pilots can do. What poor soul do they throw into the Xeong <laughs> and send out <laughs> at a Baku? Is it Lala? Ooh. I don't know. Maybe. No. Well, no. I mean, Lala was dead at that point. Um, oh, that's true. So I don't know. I mean, it was kind of just there. Maybe they weren't planning on sending it out at all, which that's a whole nother question. Like you have this great mobile suit. When are you using it when you're going to lose? <laughs> it, would it be, would it have been better if it had legs? <laughs> would Sharv won if it had legs? <laughs> they said it was hundred percent functional and the legs were cosmetic in space. So I, I guess not. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. <laughs> you know why? Because almost every mobile suit we see in space has Vernier thrusters on their legs. It's and true. 
and every pilot in space has a mobile suit with legs, except unless you're in like a ball or some horrible experimental mobile suit or something. <laughs> I mean, so I guess pilot, they are yeah. they are useful, right? I mean, you could yeah. land on debris, you can land on ships. So you, they're basically landing gear. But you're right; they do have a lot of thrusters on them, and sometimes they store weapons. So yeah, I, I don't think they're yeah. totally useless either. Yeah. They just said that to Char to make him feel better before they, <laughs> they sent him out of combat. Maybe it was a backdoor sabotage on yeah. Kaecilia's part. Oh, yeah, it's fine. You should totally take it out. It'll <laughs> it'll really work out. Even Kaecilia was smart enough to like pep him up before she sends him out to go fight. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the last thing I thought of was, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, well, maybe Xeon should have invested more in, in new types to win the war. I don't think there's, one, enough new types to make that much of a difference that late in the war because... Uh, so the, I think it's in the, either the last episode or one of the last episodes of the original series. Cassilia kind of laments. She says like, oh, we should have looked at a new type sooner or maybe like Garen didn't appreciate new types the way he should have. And it, it certainly would help. But would it really win the war? I don't know. I mean, I think we only really saw three new type machines. The one that Shalia Bull piloted, which I think was called the Brow Bro. The Elmith, which is what Lala piloted. Yeah. And, and the Zeong, which is what Shar piloted. So old type tech seemed to be working just fine towards the end, the Gelgoog and the Big Zom. So maybe just make more Big Zoms. <laughs> and that was Dozo's plan, right? He did say, we're going to mass produce <laughs> these <laughs> across the Federation and our, our Big Zom feet. <laughs> yeah, they just need more Dozels is what they needed. Yeah, I can't see too many pilots uh, being so gung-ho. But then again, <laughs> I guess if like Xeon had a bunch of people inside Big Zom, they'd probably be pretty aggressive too. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, they could have invested more in new types, but they didn't get their new type stuff ready to go until the end of the war. And at that point, they had already pretty much lost it. And I think, like we said, they probably needed to win it a few months earlier. And it doesn't seem like that new type tech would be available yet. I agree. It would come too late, much like comparing Germany and World War II, since they're pretty much Xeon. That's what the whole one-year war is based on. They had you know, invented jets near the end of the war, which are obviously much better than propeller planes. But at a certain point, new technology or not, it's too late. You're yep. going to lose the war anyways. It doesn't matter what your scientists have cooked up or discovered. Just the enemies are at the gates. You're not numbered. You're depleted of resources, and the game's over. On that point, what you said about Garen about telling Makuve to just, you know, launch all the ICBMs against all the major cities. I feel like that's just being a sore loser. That's like bad form, right? Like, <laughs> it seems in bad taste. Well, not only that, but I also feel like, yeah, he's pretty much trying to ruin the world, right? Because he would uh, not be able to control it. I'd almost feel like that was maybe underestimating the Federation also, because by that point in the war, fighting had been going on for a while, so I, I would be very surprised if the federation had not developed considerable air defenses (laughs) yeah that's true so Giran might have had that order in place but even if mccuve carried it out i don't think we would have seen destruction on the scale that Giran would have wanted well good on mccuve for exactly for not pressing yeah i mean nobody likes him i don't think there's any mccuve fans (laughs) but you know what he did the one right thing that that he should have done is Makuve the real hero here? Ooh, Makuve saved the Earth, huh? <laughs> yeah. To an extent. Well, like I just said, either he saved the Earth or it would have been saved anyways by Federation Air Defense. 
But in any case, he he took the right action, and uh, for that we thank you, Makuve. We don't like you, but we thank you. <laughs> yeah, he he is akin to those people. I think was it the '90s or the '80s when we almost had World War Three due to like a flock of birds. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It flew he's, through a radar, and they thought it was a nuke. <laughs> he's the Soviet commander that like yeah. looked at the radar screen and like his panicking radar technicians and he told them no there's no way the americans are attacking yeah they're not that stupid <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah they wouldn't attack with five missiles <laughs> <laughs> so in summary it sounds like we think Xeon could have won the war had they used their mobile suit advantage alongside breaking the antarctic treaty and striking surgically and swiftly earlier on in the war I'll well before go. december rolled around <laughs> Okay, well, that was a pretty good what-if episode, I think. I feel like we covered a lot of ground, and, man, <laughs> it really makes you think. <laughs> Those are the, these are the things that keep Isaac and I awake at night. Yeah, I just, I'll text Brian at 3 a.m. I'm like, wait, wait, what if... <laughs> what, what if? if? Have legs? <laughs> I just, I really think those legs, he, yeah. Shark, could, he could have had more thrust. <laughs> <laughs> what if they nuke Raya? <laughs> Comment below what you thought a good what-if scenario would be for the one-year war. Maybe you have an idea about what if a certain character was in a certain place at a certain time. Maybe a, an individual was killed earlier. Maybe a battle went a different way. Comment below. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Let us know. Smash that like button. Just like Char smashed Cecilia's face with that rocket. Uh, is that Char? <laughs> <laughs> It sure is. <laughs> right in her neck. Uh, uh, that was like the strongest rocket. Went right through the glass. Hit her right in the a, head. Decapitated that a, her. <laughs> that was a great shot, I must say. Uh, it was. Well, new, new type, you know. <laughs>